0: Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop stop Rock Talk. I'm your host, Tyson Bryden. On today's show, I'm very happy to welcome Mike Tramp. Mike, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm doing great. All the way from Copenhagen, Denmark, on the other side of the world almost.
0: That's crazy.
1: <laughs> crazy.
0: It's awesome, though. It's, I mean, it's amazing that we can do this now, you know, like this type of stuff. Like, you're over there, I'm in Toronto, you're over yeah. in Europe, which I, I think is amazing. So, I mean, I mean, the biggest hurdle is just working out time zones and working out times, and I sure. mean, that, that's minimal, right? Of course. So, I have bigger hurdles. You have what? Sorry? I have bigger hurdles in my life than that. <laughs> exactly. I think we all do. Uh, a couple months ago, I was checking my emails, or maybe it was just a month ago. Um, so anyways, there's a very intriguing email from Mighty, Mighty Music. It stated, The two freak of nature's nature releases the two original ones will be re-released on colored vinyl so i immediately went to the link i ordered them as well there is a cd entitled outcast which which i added as well because i haven't heard that one
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Yeah,
0: so I bought that one. And then I bought your new, L, your, your latest album, too, all at the same time. It was, I mean, with the exchange, it was pricey, but it's well worth it.
1: Once you're at Walmart, you might as well get, get the bananas and the peanut butter, too. That's right. You might as well get it all. <laughs> and your tires changed.
0: That's right. That's right. So, I mean, I guess after all that being said, the obvious question is how this all came to be. Is this something you want to do for a while?
1: Well, yeah, I think that, I just think that uh, I think that I'm, I'm a little blown away with how how suddenly you sort of we, we return to basics in many ways. I mean, the listeners where I would imagine that probably a lot of your listeners are not familiar with Freak of Nature, so you know we'll touch base a little on that you know as, as we go along but but this thing about that some of us a classic rock fans in the true sense that also buying an album, a vinyl and LP, brings us back to that time when most of us discovered rock and roll that way. Yeah. And that is one of the reasons why I release, you know, in, in limited, you know, uh, quantities, all of my solo albums whenever I release a new album. And even going back to to my earlier solo albums and released them on vinyl is that that experience and that time in my life, when rock and roll came into my life, it was all around the LP. Yeah. Because Denmark is not a we're, at that time. We're not a big car country, automobile country. Cassette tapes were minimal. Okay. So everything was LPs and most young, young men that sort of, you know, just, you know, branched out on their own had a good quality stereo at home. So this thing about listening to music on, on LP was a little bit more than just listening to music. It was a journey. It was an event.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I but mean, you, I, I, the first white lion i owned was on vinyl I, I bought pride on vinyl you know what i mean and that was that was that was the norm back then right i mean cassettes were big but i preferred to have the vinyl
1: yeah i
2: mean
1: it's just the way it is that's how it just started out you know
0: yeah yeah so so this so this this project then was kind of like you know it, it, you kind of wanted to see this stuff go to vinyl then obviously this freaking nature material
1: well, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, in many ways, let let's put it this way, in 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 all truth, that uh, the the ones that are still holding on to be sort of collectors yeah. um, of music, not necessarily just what I do or whatever, are people that have decided that this this thing, music, rock and roll, in the in those formats. Means a lot to them in their life because the entire world can just go to any streaming service and most likely find any song. Yeah. So, this thing about spending, you know, $20, $30 on something that you could get for, for listen to for free, I call a pretty good commitment. Yeah. And I have rebought a lot of albums that I once owned. And some of them I'm, I almost sus- suspect I'll never play. Maybe I just won't get around to it time-wise, but it was so important to me to have them, the, the LPs standing on my shelves as just being um, a proof of a time when I really rejoiced in Rock and Roll. Right. And there are certain album covers that speak so loud and clear when you hold them in your hand. It's almost like it brings you back to that day. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So you are a big vinyl collector, then, Mike, I take it.
1: Yeah, but, but I mean, it's not, you know, I have, I have a lot of friends that are also are vinyl collectors because they're totally like, uh, believe that it's the ultimate sound. To me, it's probably more about just that. I feel, and I see it in people that buy uh, buy my vinyls uh, at my shows. I would suspect that fifty percent of them go home and they don't own a turntable, but they want something physic of, you know, physical, in a physical that they they use to carry home from the record store. Right. That I just gone to the record store, bought a piece of music and it's actually something that i'm carrying in my hand. i'm not just downloading something, you know, and so on and so. On. and a gatefold opening the album cover, reading the lyrics with, with actually a font that you can read, you know, and and seeing, you know, the inner sleeves and pictures and stuff like that. to me it was it was it's it's a it's a full experience. it's a three-course meal. i agree. Now,
0: now, in terms of the actual masters for the album, did you still have, did you have the masters or did you have to negotiate with Music for Nations to get them? Oh,
1: I didn't have to negotiate with Music for Nations because, because after Wide Line, all those deals we did were sort of just, you know, with different kind of record deals because you already were delivering the music in a different way. I'd already financed those two Freak of Nature albums and, and sort of done them myself. So it was all in my position.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and I, and I kind of felt that because, um, I mean, I remember back in that time, the early 90s, where there were so many um, artists from, you know, late 80s, early 90s that weren't getting deals in North America. And, th- I mean, that deal was more of a European thing, was it? Yeah.
1: Not? Well, I mean, it's... And, and uh, you know, we're right now, we're, we're obviously speaking to North America and, and so-and-so. And, and Freak of Nature never was released in the U S yeah. And it, uh, you know, it's a short story. Like after, after I, I, I closed down, I end white lion in September of 91. And, and immediately inside my head, I create this new band and what it's going to be like. And, and the working work relationship with, with the, with whoever I get. It's all of this, all of this is, is based upon the experience um of the seven years uh, uh, with white lion yeah uh good or bad so it, it was it, you know w- w- in in the beginning we only really just had the music as a priority and finding really what 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 makes a band gel and 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 after a, a few small small uh, hiccups in in, in the beginning, uh, when the band finally got completed and, and we decided to 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 uh, put ourselves in, in a circle when we were writing the music in the rehearsal room, something that I had never done with White Line because Vita Bright and myself wrote all the music sort of at home together. But, it, but in, in Freak of Nature, we, um, we stood in a circle and everybody looked at each other and there were like a mutual respect from the beginning saying... The one who plays the bass takes care of the bass. And the one who plays the drums takes care of the drums. And vice versa, the two guitar players and, and myself. Uh, you know, And that's why Freak of Nature sounds the way it sounds. The short time we were alive, it is the perfect band, the camaraderie, the word relationship, the respect for each other. It was so good that it was not meant to happen for a long time.
0: Right, right. Um, and, and that's funny that you mentioned about the North America thing. I actually, this is my copy of um, Gathering of Freaks, and uh, yeah. if you look at it, <laughs> I still got the thing in here. It actually says HMV importation, so I got wow. I got this in Toronto. At uh, the Import Rock at HMV downtown wow, on wow, Young wow. Street,
1: and stuff like that to me is um, it, it's incredible how a little sticker like that can open a vault of memories. Yeah. Of course, I mean it's not not for everyone, but I can tell you exactly on you know when when I see something when I hear something where I was what I was thinking, etc. 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 Yeah,
0: I, re- I remember going into the store. I, I probably wasn't looking for it because I just assumed I'm not going to find this because it's not released here. So, and I go to HMV and lo and behold, this is, this is probably right after it came out. Lo and behold, it's there. And I'm like, and then a lot of the times those imports were very expensive, but it was actually reasonably priced from what I recall. Which, Which was, was great. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was, was just, just like, a, you know, it was just one of those things. It was kind of like that. At that time, it was so hard to get music from artists from the 80s in yeah, North yeah, yeah, America. Yeah, yeah. So you were all, you'd go and you'd be like, oh man, this is so awesome. You know what I mean? It was, uh, so I do. I, 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 that resonates to me, because I do recall everything about buying that CD. <laughs>
1: well, you're also bringing up the memories of what it was like to shop in a record store, a big, big record store where you actually took your time. Yeah. You went through categories, you know. you On one side, you had Norwegian death metal, uh, I burned down churches, kind of rock, and yeah. the other. and. and you took your time with music and you discovered it nobody discovers music anymore it just gets pounded in their head and 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 nobody stays with anything for a long time because it hasn't taken a long time to discover so it's kind of like here today gone later tomorrow you know yeah
0: Yeah. um (laughs) it's funny because i actually lived an hour i i live about 45 minutes outside of toronto but at that time i lived about an hour from toronto and that was my commitment to music was, I mean, because I love music so much. And HMV downtown was kind of the place to go. And there was a Tower Records at that time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. And on a Friday night, believe it or not, I'd say to my buddies, I was like, do you guys want to uh, take a drive to, to Toronto, <laughs> go to HMV? You know, like, that's just the way it was.
1: There you go. I mean, I hear what you're saying right there. I mean, you know, I've been shopping the Tower Records on Sunset Boulevard at midnight, you know i uh, seen John Frusciandi from Red Hot Chili Peppers coming in a pajamas and picking up a set of friends, slap a bootleg box set, and it, it's just like you know, it's just what we did.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I miss that
1: a lot. I, I miss that very much. I miss it too. I miss it too, man. You know, you know, it, it, it's it's. And also another thing was that uh, because basically this interview is about the, our love for music that the peop- most people uh, behind the counters kind of had a knowledge about music right yeah
0: that's true that is true and they did and that's why i mean they probably loved their job you know yeah. you know that was me and they always joke about you know you were the cool guy working at the record store you weren't cool if you didn't work at the record store
1: oh man that's okay that's a cool job working at the record store I could do that. yeah
0: exactly now outcasts um I wasn't, I wasn't familiar, familiar with that one. Was that previously nope. released?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, it was previously released a few years later on. I mean, not right away. I can't remember what year it came out. But suddenly, I sat there. Uh, my first, my first, uh, it, it, you know, it's sort of prior to me signing, a, signing, you know, a deal with with my solo album um, for Europe. And I had a, I um I still was sort of in many ways signed to uh to a music for nations. And we just I kinda of says, you know, like man, I'll give you this. And you know, I'm, because I'm gonna take my solo album somewhere else. And says that's cool. And I had these, I have these tracks which are both, you know, you know, uh Quite the opposite of White Lion, where Vito Bratt and myself only wrote the songs for the album. Yeah. No extra tracks were recorded. Uh, On both albums, I think we recorded two or three tracks for each album. And they were just lying there. Plus, also, there's the six songs... Of the first time I brought the band in, the first version of the band, it had a different guitar player, a, a, a different, another guitar player uh, of the two guitar players we had, and the first six songs that I, ha- I had founded Freak of Nature on, which I'd written with him. And we went into the studio in an early stage and recorded these six songs. So I always had these six songs, and, and it totally tells the to- tells story of how the band is built. And you will hear that musically, plus, the, you know, the tracks from the other albums that were never released. So it's actually a very nice package.
0: That's very cool. Ne- yeah,
1: there's great rock and roll on that
0: I look one. forward to hearing that one. Um,
1: yeah, no, I think you will.
0: I'm excited. Now, now the cool thing about these is the vinyl re-releases is a multiple, multiple vinyl colors. Um, there's not just... One color for each of them for, and for me, it was hard to choose in the end. I chose the purple for the first album and turquoise for the second. It's just,
1: yeah, I almost think that the record company is trying to trick people because obviously, there are some that I have to have all of them. I know I'm not (laughs) necessarily a big fan of that kind of stuff, but you know, it's sort of the way it is, they offer a little from everything you know i'm a i'm, I'm a big stephen king fan and, and especially some of the early books the, the the dark tower series and stuff like that and and i have multiple versions of the same one yeah
0: Yeah, I'm the same. And sometimes
1: it's just like that.
0: It was like, I mean, it's, but when you factor in how much, because shipping's so expensive, right, to North America from Europe, so you have to factor in that as well. So, so like I said, you know, it's like, you know what, I'm going to buy a whole package deal, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of stuff, because it's going to cost me the same pretty much for shipping anyways, right? So that makes sense. Um, Now... uh, talking about those multiple colors it almost when i looked at those especially for gathering of freaks those colors actually kind of coincided with the album cover those colors
1: yeah i mean from the beginning interested enough the guy that i did that that designed you know the it was a friend of mine in england a guy that called cood that designed the cover and um we, we sort of decided from the start that there were going to be three main colors That's always gonna, were going to travel with the band, which would be orange, purple, and, and, uh, and green. Um, those three colors, and, and obviously they, they sort of end up going along, and they were part of our t-shirt design and stuff like that. From the beginning, I had always decided that I wanted, in my own way, go sort of like an Iron Maiden way that, that the covers continued and had uh um a, a similar you know uh, thing traveling along i mean obviously we didn't use uh, you know the the freak uh for the second album because the second album cover is a, is, is more an element of the title of of of, of uh, the gathering of freaks which really um for people interested was really just about that in the time that um between the first and the second album so many uh, natural disasters had happened, and and sort of you know um, powerless, which is one of the last songs on Gathering of Freaks, deals with both earthquakes, hurricanes, and fire, and that sort of became uh, you know the three elements um, which is is with, entwined with with each other. It's like kind of like like you can't pull them apart, um, and that's where all that came in. And you know we always try to uh, you know he actually went out and, and, and created our own font called the Freakabed. You know, so we had our own album. But, you know, unfortunately, we didn't, uh, didn't get to fulfill this whole concept that we were going to go down the road. We had ideas, him and I, of where we wanted to go with that. Right. And I was very, very happy with that because um, I, was co- I am completely unhappy with all the white line album covers and the artwork and the graphics and stuff like that. There's nothing that that lights my fuse yeah. so when when the time came for me to 100 percent being in control of it there wasn't going to be one corner uh, corner or a stone unturned you know
0: yeah no and th- and that is another exciting part about these re-releases is seeing that artwork bigger like seeing yeah. i mean seeing that cover the f- of the first yeah. album I cannot yeah. wait to see that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and that that goes back to the whole experience, right? Of of. Yeah, you know, I,
1: are, I, have, I have these. These are original ma- paintings. He's hand painted those. That's no. there's no. there's no computer graphics. That he's hand painted those wow. on big pictures. It's just phenomenal.
0: That is phenomenal. Now, have you yeah. have you seen these yet?
1: Yeah, I have it right next to
0: me. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I'm exci- I'm very excited for that. Um, yeah, because that, I mean that that both artwork on both albums is just is that is phenomenal. And it's funny that you mentioned the white lion thing because you look at those white lion covers and you go, "Huh? Yeah, it's it says white lion." Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: But but it's it's,
1: it's interesting. Interesting. Uh, if I tell myself it's interesting, but. Of course, the journey backwards and the hindsight, you know, is is always, you know, so revealing. You know, of course, we know everything, the Monday morning quarterback, everything, you know, all these things. Um, When I go back and, and feel that things are rushed, things are not thought through, there's no real direction, you give in, et cetera, et cetera, and stuff like that. Um, and there were there were a lot of uh, you know give in and compromises um, along the white line journey and at, 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 at the few moments where I've had a peace talk with Vito we have we have we have we have touched based on those right the only thing that there weren't any give in or compromises was in the songwriting between Vito and I right but uh, nobody had any influence on that uh So, and here I go again. I mean, I didn't want to take this back to White Lion, but but the thing is, it's the jumping board that everything that I do in Freak of Nature, everything that Freak of Nature is built upon is the mistakes and the regrets and the experience from White Lion. Right,
0: right. And and I mean, one point that, that can be said is the fact when you... When you and I'm not I'm not trying to go back to White Lion, but going into Freak of Nature, where you, you went from a one guitar band to two guitar bands, and you know on those Freak of Nature's album albums, one guitar is on the left, one's on the right, which is I which is awesome, right? And for was that for you? You know you're you're for those years you stood beside Vito Brada, it was one guitar. When you went into the experience, when you started working with Freaking Nature and you go to two guitars, was that, was that weird for you, or was it just
1: no? No, it was everything was completely obvious. It was, it was a decision from day one on that it was going to be like that, that. That's how it was. It, you know, again, you know, I almost got damaged in the 80s. I mean, the thing is. Eddie Van Halen opened the door to a lot of great stuff. Yeah, but a lot of guitar players from the '80s and stuff like that just—you know—I just think got damaged in many ways. I agree. None of them ever, you know, things like none of them ever reached the truthness of what Eddie really is. A lot of them thought they heard something, but they didn't hear. When you go back and listen to Van Halen, the day, the early years. You realize how raw he is, yeah. and all the all the guitar players uh, that came after Van Halen, you know, you know, uh, compressed their sound and stuff like that. You know, where where Eddie was a monster in different ways. So, you know, and I would, you know, I, I would cause I'm like blown away working with Vito and stuff like that. But, but, but like most of the time, the guy couldn't find his sound and stuff like that, and it was just like. It just were very stressful and and not enjoyable and and one thing for sure that was not going to go into Freak of Nature was the Floyd Rose, the Whammy bar, and in that way, all that stuff. So there are not just are there no traces of of eighties rock and roll in Freak of Nature. There's also no traces of my Tram White Line in Freak of Nature.
0: I agree with that
1: Which was both obvious But I also had come to the The, the point On, get on, on uh, main attraction That I, I could feel That my voice was changing And it couldn't Sing as high Not that I wanted to do that As I was on the first two White Lion albums uh, Where I'm in a stratosphere Completely unnatural for me um, so when we're writing main attraction, I, am te- I'm, I'm starting following my vocal a little bit more than thinking what it should be. Oh, okay. Um, and obvious, once I started writing, uh, the songs for the earliest freak of nature, which, which will be the six songs pretty soon you will hear from on, on the outcast album, it was obvious that I was just going to, to follow what was natural. Right. Because at the end of White Line, it wasn't natural for me to sing like that.
0: Well, that makes sense. I mean, when you... Like, getting back to the guitar playing part of it, when you listen to White Line, it's almost like when Vito's playing, he's a phenomenal player. It's, it, uh, no doubt. No doubt, right? Uh, it's almost songs in a song of what he plays a lot of what he did right without a doubt exactly so but going to freak of nature which is the part that i really love about it is that the guitars are where they need to be where it's not as you know it doesn't sound as 80s like you said it's you know the solos are where they need to be and the rhythm guitar is just playing the rhythm guitar and heavy and you know yeah which, Which is, is where the big difference is. I,
1: okay, I mean, obviously, it, w- it was just a choice. It's it's not that we came out with a big sticker on the album saying we have nothing to do with the 80s and right. stuff like that. It, it wasn't built like that. The, the five guys, including myself in Freak of Nature, the Freak of Nature is built on our love for classic rock and roll from Zeppelin to Queen to Lizzy to UFO um, to that. Of, co- of course, we also are building this band just as Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and Pearl Jam, and Red Hot Chili Peppers are, are like con- conquering and ruling rock and roll in the, eight, in the 90s. Yeah. And, and we were, we were in, in one way or another sort of inspired with certain things, but our roots were still 70s rock and roll.
0: Yes. Yeah, and and, and, that, and you can hear that. And I mean, for those that have never heard these albums, I mean, um, they're worth checking out because they're, they're. If you're expecting it, I mean, it's your voice, so it sounds like you, but it's different. And and I think I think people that have never heard it would really will really dig it, especially if they like that kind of sound, right?
1: When when I when I uh, when I posted. Um, the news about these albums, um, the comments from, from, from all the European fans, and, and I mean, don't forget, this, this band existed from, from uh, in 93 to 95, yeah. okay? But all of the comment were people that had seen this band live in clubs. And some of those comments were so honest and real about some the best thing I ever saw. I mean, of course they're not comparing it to like a stadium show with Pink Floyd, but just the experience of 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 the honesty that the band brought. I mean, you know, I had toured the world with a big band. We've been on, on our own tour buses. We haven't been in the big hotels, we've played stadiums and stuff like that. I took this band down to the gutter. We played anywhere. We 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 came out with like fine as a whole and we'll be there, you know? Yes. We, you know, we, you know, we reached out to fans and asked if we could stay at the houses so we could tour. And it had a lot to do with that my tram needed to get back to where I sort of came from. And as much as, of course, you know, um, I enjoyed the years in White Line and I wanted to sort of, in quote-unquote, you know, reach the top and be a rock star, when I got up there, I actually found out that besides being on stage and writing some good songs, I wasn't very good at playing that role behind the mirror, sunglasses, and always staying in character. Once it came to Freak of Nature and I found this band and we were street kids again, I realized that uh, I, was, I was home. Right. And, and that all reflects in the sound. That all reflects in the sound.
0: That is true. When,
1: when we went up to San Francisco to, uh, to record the first album, we, all, you know, we had rented a house with two bedrooms. The, the engineer lived in one of them, and the, and the five guys in the band lived in another one. And the two weeks we were there were probably some of the funnest time I'd ever had.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So, that's great. Now I opened this up today and there's a big there's a big you know, there's a two gatefold picture in it of the band in the studio. Will that be in the vinyl? Is it a gatefold? Yeah. Is, it, is it a gate are they gatefold? No,
1: no, it never was a gatefold. Oh, okay
0: but it will be but those for that that is great um no no i
1: mean everything that's on the inner sleeve uh, on the sleeve at that time will be on the inner sleeve.
0: okay cool that's awesome cuz that, i mean that, i think that that picture kind of says it all of where you were that's
1: incredible man i mean it, you know we, we you know that's exactly we we wanted to capture the sound of the band in a picture yeah
0: And that totally captures the essence of what that, you know, you turn that, you look look at that picture as you're listening to the album and you can kind of, you can kind of envision in your mind of what, you know, like what you guys are doing and what what the music's bringing.
1: To tell you you the truth, and why wouldn't I? and, And that goes also including Gathering of Freaks, which becomes a second and the last album. Yeah. This is this is pro and and since freak of nature, I recorded twelve solo albums. Wow! This is actually the last time that I'm actually recording how it used to be to record an album as a band and as five uh, uh, musicians in a band in in the studio. Later on, I mean, there would be uh, goddamn so many compromises because one person couldn't do that, and how we would be recording the albums in layers. But Freak of Nature, where all the songs were recorded live, and then there would be one or two small uh, overdubs done after that, etc. But that was the power of the band. Wow. That's amazing. But because we had written the songs in the rehearsal rooms, so we were always playing that version that's on the album. We were just playing them over and over, so there was no difference in going in um, to the studio. It was just a bigger rehearsal studio with better sound. Right. It was exactly what we had done. We had gone through those songs so many. We were so tight when we got in there.
0: So going from the first album to the second album, to Gathering of Freaks, was... When you went into, you know, you're going back into the studio to do it. Did you want to kind of stick to the same uh, vision that you had on the first album, or did you know? Did, did you guys just get in there and it just more or less happened
1: organically, and this is
0: what came out?
1: Well, I mean by the by the time by the time we wrote the songs for the first album, yep. um, prior to having the six songs which are on the uh, on on the Outcast the you know, the pre-starting up finding our roots. I knew that if I would be starting the songs like I had in White Lion, I would be taking the songs in my direction. And I didn't want to do that. So the the song ideas or even just a riff or a drum beat or a bass note or whatever, I always encouraged the guys. And sometimes I didn't need to encourage to start something. And if I, when I heard something, I would latch onto it instantly and start feeding off that. And that would kind of start the domino effect that everybody would now see, okay, this is where we're going with the song. And, and it, and that was, it, it was so unique in Freak of Nature because nobody steered away from that. It wasn't like somebody suddenly came in with a stupid idea that they hadn't gotten the point what the rest of us had. They really latched on and understood, that's a role I'm playing, and that's a role I'm playing. The two guitar players are two different guitar players. They're playing their own unique style. And, and um, so with Gathering of Freaks, where a lot of these songs were written in rehearsal rooms in Europe Um, on when we were touring for over half a year in Europe in 93, anytime we we had time off, I almost forced the band that the only thing we cannot, we have to be playing music every day, and there was so much energy. So we would end up, you know, in, you know, in close hotel bars or stuff like that. Can we, can we rehearse here or something like that, you know? And a lot of these songs were written. And the guys have obviously filled more and more their own space in the band. Because, I mean, the band was started by Mike Tramp, and I had fueled the band, I had financed the band, and I was leading the band. Right. But, but they, they understood, and, and they started you know, taking their position serious that, hey, I'm the guitar player in this band, and that's what I play, you know, so... They were starting out directing where we were going with this, and the band, without a doubt, probably went a bit heavier on the second album.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think it is heavier,
0: um, but it's good. They're both good. They're both awesome.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they both had ha- there, you know. And, and I remember I've said this before. I remember when we were starting writing these songs, and I said to I said to the guys that, "Hey." Uh, the style we're choosing is not radio friendly. Right. Okay. Um, we are now building a band that's going to take five to six albums to break. And once we really have gathered this audience, we will have between five hundred to fifteen hundred in every club around Europe, and we'll be able to tour constantly, sell a lot of T-shirt, and have a die-hard audience. But don't look for arenas with this band, right. Let's just stay where we are. And it was almost the plan that we had that we wanted to sort of keep ourselves in control and not divert from what we had started.
0: right. hm That's, That's interesting. interesting. Um, i <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I, I guess, guess I guess. Doing five hundred to fifteen hundred cedars is probably, you know, I think there's in a lot of wrong ways. Part me,
1: that's nothing wrong with that. No,
0: exactly, and that's what I mean.
1: I <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I think I think that's awesome. I mean, you're kind of you're kind of when you get to that certain point, which you know within White Lion, you get to a certain point, and there's all these people, and either you know, like. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of people doing lots of things for you, like for the band and whatnot. When you get to that level of success,
1: yeah. But you know, like like I when we were coordinating uh, emails back and forth, and you were saying, you know, I I like at the end also to to you know like to dive a little into your your solo albums and stuff like that. The whole thing about Freak of Nature was also understanding your your limit, right. And, and if I should pat myself on the back, um, it is that I understood the level of my own singing ability and where I could go with that. And that I followed from day one in Freak of Nature. And since then, once I recorded my first solo album in 1996, in, uh, in 90, and, and now till uh, twelve solo albums later, I have done what I could, and representing my tramp on each album and where he is at that time. Right. Always, always being real and and showing my ability and 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 and. I hate to say limitation, if one can call it that, uh, that's both good or bad, but knowing that I am not going to be writing songs I can't sing and I can't perform. Right. And everything about Freak of Nature was about that. They're all capable musicians, but we were a great rock band that didn't want to take this rock and roll much further than where we where we were comfortable and and where we were we wanted to put the 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 special moments in the songs and in the ideas and stuff like that but we weren't we weren't you know like aiming at unreachable goals because it's not it's not what what, what you know what we enjoyed we enjoyed you know we enjoyed the classic rock and roll that had a sort of uh, um you know, humanity in it. I mean, you know, it, it, it wasn't, you know, played by, you know, gods or angels and stuff like that. There were people with six strings and sometimes with a hangover. <laughs> That's good. Now,
0: now you just mentioned your solo stuff and we'll, we'll, we'll move on to that a little bit. Um, w- like I said, um, when I ordered those vinyl releases, I also ordered your latest album. Um, which is entitled "Everything Is All Right" um, came out North America, I think May twenty first. Uh, tell, tell me a bit about this album. I guess it's it's a compilation, is it?
1: Yeah, well, that's a compilation. Prior to that, I'd actually released a again a limited double album, which is called Tranthology, which sort of explains itself, and that, that uh, it obviously is a collection of my my uh, eleven solo albums. Including four brand new tracks only made for that album. That's again catering direct to the diehard fans that has followed you through and grown with my solo albums. A lot of times, a lot of times, I describe the ones that have stood with me and followed me through my solo career as people that, in many ways, identify with where they are in their life at that time that album comes out and the next album and that's a report. you know I get back from the fans both live and so and so it's like we know exactly where you are because we are that too most of those fans are you know maybe 10 years younger than me but they're they're all above you know 40 years old and you know on the way to 50 maybe on the way to to 60 so we we are we are um, I have created a a, um, a world um, of reality of of where I am as a human being. I sing about the moment. I sing about reality. All my soul albums, every song is about me, where I am. Yeah. There's no traces of the '80s. There's no traces of of filler and 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 you know sexual and your endos and stuff like that. I just don't. You know, I, I just don't belong there. And I sometimes laugh when I when I see a 7 year old rock singer, you know, still holding on to his hair. Writing those kind of lyrics this late in his life, I mean, I have all the respect for the classic albums of that time back then, but not now, man. You know, or, or, or like I said before, and I, and I say that in many ways because I think that sooner or later, you have to realize you're not going to be the starting quarterback on next season's team.
0: That's true.
1: And, you know, and, 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 and it's just the way it is. But rock and roll does allow you to grow and move on. You just don't have anybody else in the band being on stage singing your songs for you.
0: That's true. Sure, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I I'm getting. I was listening to everything is all right. I I was in my my truck this morning, driving my son to his mom's, and, and uh, Cobblestone Road came on. And I I'm listening to it, and I'm going, you know what? This is a really lyrically. I really enjoyed that song. I was like, and that and you talking about your lyrics because I've always enjoyed your lyrics. And when we spoke about a year and a half ago, I told you that as well, but. I've always thought that um, your lyrics were above what most of the 80 art- 80s artists were anyways, because you weren't always talking about, you know, there was, there was some love stuff, but there was also serious topics.
1: And, 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 you know, obviously it has a lot to do with the European, European background. I mean, I came to America driven by, by, by you know, my, my love or fascination of Dave Lee Roth and so on, so and it, it were probably more the persona and, and the stage show, and, and, of course, there's been many similarities to my, tra- I mean, you could probably even find the pictures on, like, on stage, you know, where, where you swagger the same way, yeah. and it stops there, because obviously there's no comparison in the vocal, and I've never gone where Roth went with the lyrics. That totally belongs with him. Yeah. I wasn't very good at trying to compete with vince neal or brett michaels and 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 all of the rest of the 80s frontmen with this you know cheeky l- lyrics i wasn't very good at standing on stage talking about all this sexual stuff yeah i which is which is possibly why i didn't do it I says dude don't go there you're not you're gonna drown yeah so I had songs like Little Fighter and Cry for Freedom and Lady of the Valley and The Road to Valhalla and, and When the Children Cry and, 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 you know, If My Mind is Evil, you know, love that things like that. It just came like that. And as I grew older, it's where I wanted to go. I mean, you know, I... Even though I actually released, their uh, you, know, you know, albums at the same time, you know, as Springsteen released his first albums, and you know, I've grown up with. first, I grew up with Dylan and Johnny Cash. My mom were like playing them to death, and so I've grown up with the big songwriters, and 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 Dylan and and, and Springsteen is are are people that I've leaned up. But at the same time, as much as I'm inspired by by the, the, the sound and, and, and the way of, 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 of that Springsteen does, I've never gone in on writing a song that's similar to him in the way he tells the story, right? You know, and then, and then at the end of, almost end of Springsteen's career, you find out about that the person in all Springsteen's songs are his dad and stuff like that, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and it's just one of those things. So I decided that I, I didn't want to have to look for excuses when I was going to explain a song so it would be easy to write about my own you know uh life and and ups and downs and and how I view the world and 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 so on so and 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 the credit I've given um, by fans is almost is that they hear themselves in the songs and that is probably one of the the, the greatest rewards you get when when people I mean Nobody knew that Little Fighter was actually and I, a song. I, I read the story about, uh, it happened in 1978, but the, you know, Gre- the Greenpeace organization had one of their small fishing trawlers that they were trying to prevent the French government from doing nuclear testing down New Zealand. And, and during the night, the French Secret Service, like oh, Frogman, blew this little fishing trawler. To pieces and i just read that story uh, sometimes and i says you know this is again david versus goliath yeah and other things so i wrote the song there's nothing there's a few small lines about that this is a ship and stuff like that but not much but i i i can't tell you how many uh, uh veterans i've met who have made that song that song their song of struggling coming back, sitting in a wheelchair, miss, uh, losing the legs or whatever, you know, uh, suffering from cancer, whatever. And that, that is a great reward. Knowing that your song have done that for some people.
0: That, I think that's what makes that, that song stand up. Is For me, as I'm 46 years old, listening to that now, this is a song from the 80s. I can listen to it now and go, you know what, that is... It's a great song, but the lyrical content still stands and still resonates in my mind because it's not about, you know, it's, it's a serious topic. And I think as we get older, those serious topics are more important to us, right?
1: It's, it's a song that I, I really enjoy singing with the acoustic guitar life because the lyrics, the lyrics uh, you know, rises above and is not, is not you know, Uh, drowned by reverb on the drums or a colorful video and stuff like that from the 80s all those things that just you couldn't escape because we were part of the 80s and that's what the 80s wanted at that time yeah but this but the the song is almost suffering even though it has a phenomenal guitar soul and has a phenomenal guitar riff from me no doubt about it but man to be recording that song today as a grown up band and really give them the song would would be a dream. But now I get to play that song in a in a little bit more of a tame version where where the vocal and the lyric takes center.
0: Yeah. Uh, totally. I mean that that is that totally I think that's amazing that you're able to do that now because yeah, that song that song does deserve to get the, the credit that's there because it's such it was so well written, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those examples that when you go the test of time, and obviously this is no con- con- uh, competition because uh, the fans of, of all the different bands are the fans of all the different bands. But, but were you to go through a selection of 80s albums and White Line, which would hold their own ground, I agree. they would probably be one of the bands that sounded less like all the other bands. Agree. I've always told a little bit of, you know, some funny stories on, on, on stage when, when I'm out there doing my, my one-man show that, that when you went through some of the, the rock magazine in the 80s, if it was Hit Parade or Circus Magazine or a Cream or something, not, not necessarily Cream, but Special Circus Magazine, it looked like it was one band.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: All the lead singers had blonde hair and the rest and the other three guys in the band had dark hair. And, and that's one way of looking at the 80s and a lot of the videos also looks like it's the same band right. and MTV were a lot to blame for that because it's sort of what they wanted and they had gotten that message through to the record companies and of course there were no band in the 80s that were going to fight their own success now that we've finally broken through yeah. um, when we got the chance to do an almost eight minute video for Ray Allah. We took that chance that and broke a little free from, you know, the classic, a little just hair and only hair video, you know, where we could do a little bit of a mini movie. And I think it promptly, <laughs> without ever talking talking about it, it probably says something about white line right there, is they were starting to feel because Vito and I always had this thing about that we didn't want to get caught up in where we got caught up in. Right. Because as we went along with writing the songs both on Big Game, which was in many ways an unfinished album because we didn't have enough time to breathe, we were heading much more towards Journey, Kansas, Foreigner, uh, than we were towards Poison Mother The Cinderella. Yeah. A slaughter, or something like that. Yeah, that's where Vito and I wanted to go as songwriters. We never got there. We never got there as as as, as a band, But we started on on Main Attraction. You can hear that. There's almost no other albums in the eighties that sounds like Main Attraction. Our amazing final album. sounding
0: album. Amazing. You know, it's 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 funny. I was listening to Anthology, the White Lion Anthology. The I think it's two disc set. I had it on, uh, I was actually, I was running this morning and I had it on. And it's amazing to hear how those songs took shape. Like how they changed on, like like Tell Me, for instance. It's very different. And I was like, I, I read the title, I was like, this doesn't sound like Tell Me, but the chorus is there, but the verses are different.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing also, in, in, in obviously, you know, um, everything on comes back to Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, if I get like, by the time we go into the studio and record the Pride album, we'd almost been working on the Pride album for two years. First, the songs had almost become our live songs. Then we recorded the album once in Germany and come back to America and thrown it in the can. And Vito and I started rewriting and working on the songs. So we were so, we were so in touch with the songs when we come to California record this album, that we are actually at the similar stage Freak of Nature goes into the studio because we have only lived those songs for for over half a year, only played those songs. When we record Big Game, we had been on the road for a year and a half. And we come back and we just finished a tour and Vito and I write this album in 10 days.
0: (laughs) That's insane.
1: And we go in the week later to write, to record the demos and then people take a Christmas break and then we sort of go back or other. So these songs only got one run through the machine. Yeah. Of, of a will check Because it, it, it even happens when band plays a song's live, you know, sometimes they find something that works better, even though they've already recorded the songs. Yeah um which is we wrote some great songs for the big game album but they are in the long run unfinished we needed more time but we had pressure from the record company and the management and we're actually back out with a new album and back out on the road seven months after we finished the pride tour and on the prior tour we've been on tour with with Ace Freely, Y&T, KISS, Aerosmith, ACDC, we've been to Japan, we've been to Europe, and then we're finishing with Striper. And then we start off with Ozzy Osbourne in the summer of 89. And, it, you know, it's just one of those, again, you know, regrets and mistakes. But Vito and I it did not have high enough heels on our boots to dig them deep enough down into the ground Uh, so we got pulled along and there's nothing we could do after that except for looking back and saying we wrote some great songs but it's an unfinished album
0: wow it's i mean i listened to it and go i mean for the fact that you did it in such a short time there are some great songs i mean
1: mean, you know the the recording process took its time right but, but we're just recording at that time. that's probably more the sound and the performance. We're not rearranging them in the studio once we're in the studio we're playing the versions we've done.
0: yeah, it's not like those other tracks where they were totally there's a lot of stuff that's different. Weight is different there's different yeah, yeah. parts
1: yeah. Right? yeah I mean by the i mean we you know but we came back from Germany in the summer of eighty six and 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 worked on the Pride album for another half year and then went out to California in in, in January of eighty seven, and started recording on that album.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing.
1: We've lived, we've, we've lived that pride album. I mean, it, like you you know, people always go back when you when you hear early tracks from bands when you find bootlegs of early Van Halen and stuff like, and realize basically they're playing the first album as a live set. Yeah, and that's why most first albums are so great because they're the songs that most bands have played for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, and they've actually played the songs live which you never get to do with any songs later on.
0: That's right. So all the yeah, all the albums after that were uh different. But but I mean with the, the first, first album, like
2: the, fir- yeah, yeah.
0: the Fight to Survive album, did you play that live? Like before? Uh,
1: Not nah, we Um actually the the band that played uh, the it's band that band.
2: Uh,
1: Yeah it's a different rhythm section we only, play two, we only play two shows after we recorded the album. That's, it. that's how far we ever got with that. Those songs were written in rehearsal studio over a long time, over almost uh, three quarters of a year before we went to, to Germany to record that album, too.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Now, um, years back, when, uh, when I found out about an Anthology, someone told me about it. My buddy had it. And he said, you got to hear this song. I was like, okay, what is it? It goes back on the streets. And to this day, I still love that song.
1: <laughs> That, that that now that is the only track off main attraction that didn't go on. And that's like and so that in reality is the only track off the four White Lion albums that didn't end up on an album. Like I told you early on, White Lion did not write any songs right. that didn't get on the album. Yeah. Vito and I almost wrote the album like a book. And when we got to the final chapter, we didn't decide we're going to write uh, another two ending chapters and then decide in the studio. We knew that, that, okay, we've written a song because we never repeated a song and a groove and a tempo in any of the songs. It's so sort of the way we do it. I don't really think we thought about it. It's just the way we decided to do it.
0: Yeah, I just, um, I wonder if that song, did you guys feel that that song maybe didn't fit the feel of the album? Um
1: yeah you know what it it's it's actually if i think back it's a song that goes through a couple of different things vito and i had once in a while I had some songs where where there are two songs within one song and sometimes it's a question is, does this feel right going to there so it, you know yeah. it's just one of those things
0: oh that's cool well, Mike, I, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining me today. That was awesome. And I'm sorry we did get off on the white line thing. I hope I hope maybe I touched on no, some No, no, but,
1: but, 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 but when I get to tell the story like this and refer, and refer to it in, in, in the different ways, it all becomes the full tale. Right. Um, because without that, there wouldn't have been Freak of Nature, and there wouldn't have been my solo albums. So it's all along the story, but sometimes when you get the, to tell the story from a different angle, it bec- it's great coming back and touching on White Line because you touch on some key elements and some key points of of the success and the and and the end of White Line and why certain things happen and it it you know like today obviously. You know, I'm the world's greatest white line expert. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that is true. And I also like giving those things um, to not just the word fans, but to anybody interested in just, you know, inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Because all the points and all the things that I say, nobody has ever touched upon. Right. Nobody ever mentioned that, you know, they always cut the story short on like, and there are so many reasons why something is. And, and, and you know, I think it's healthy when you, were, when you kind of can, you know, put it all together and, and have a reason why certain things happen. Yeah. It, it becomes a little bit easier to deal with that you're not living in a palace.
0: <laughs> that is true. That's true. I wish I was, <laughs> but...
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy with where I am, I you am know, it's, it's like my feet are on the ground and, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's just the way it is. I wouldn't want to live any other different life, you know, so and
0: so. That's true. That's a good point. Now, um, we should mention where people can get these freaking nature albums and your solo stuff.
1: You can do that. You can do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... uh. Sometimes when you mention you mentioned Target a couple of times, it could confuse Americans yeah, because there is a, a ch- there's a shopping chain called Target, and obviously it has nothing to do with that. Why my record company decided to call themselves Target, <laughs> beats me. Yeah. Um. But you know, you can always go in in. Uh, you know what? If people just follow my Facebook, my Tramp Official. All the information is there. And my, and my Facebook is an official one, which is basically what I call a modern website. Nobody goes to a website anymore. That's her. Um, I usually only post about music, tours, albums, and stuff like that. For a while, I decided to make, but, you know, I can't engage in, in the battlefield out there of, of just commenting on left and right stuff this is a safe haven for people who want to follow my music and hear about my music i'm not gonna i'm not i'm I'm, I'm not gonna talk about politics and stuff like that even though i'm very outspoken i just decided to speak to the mirror instead yeah nobody nobody comments on that you know when i said the wrong thing you know and you know because it's my opinion and only my opinion right
0: and i agree with that Okay, well, thank you so much, Mike. Um, it's been my pleasure. It was it was a riot,
1: thing. and I hope I hope your listeners enjoy this enjoy this information and and this uh, tale and all the kind of stuff. What do you call it?
0: Yeah, I hope they do too. I hope they they hopefully get lots of listeners <laughs> who are interested are- in hearing about this stuff, and hopefully people will go out and find you know your solo stuff in those and check out those vinyls because they look really You
1: know, one can always hope. One can always hope. You stay in touch, okay? Okay, Mike. Take care, man. Thank, Thank you so you much. So much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.